Hollywoodable people, and welcome to a SmackDown edition of the Hollywood Heels podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, the rock star, the renaissance man, the Duke Russo. Not to be confused with the Adonis, which we'll get to later in the show. But I am joined by my dog, Henron, the divine voice himself. What's up, man? Hello, hello, good sir. Once again, we return to make everybody's lives just a little bit less miserable. Uh, we had a lot of action today, starting off with some SmackDown. Uh, what were your thoughts for this evening, sir? Well, we are coming from Sacramento, California. Overall, like this to me is what I want the flow of a SmackDown to be. There were four matches and a good amount of segments, but like this beats like maybe we could have had one more match maybe i i didn't feel like we needed one more match actually and i didn't feel like any of the matches were like completely useless either so you know uh to me this was one of the better flowing smackdowns that we've had in a little bit um we open up the show with jimmy coming on out with his brother solo featuring paul Heyman. Heyman's the first one that gets on the mic he he gets booed too much to say his name, which is starting to be a theme, you know, and, and he, he hit, hits him with the, no, my name is not boo. It's not quite Dom level boos. I'd like to see it get there. Uh, but this crowd, Sacramento, did actually say his name with him. So, you know, I, be better, guys. Boo him harder. Come on. Uh, they take a minute to acknowledge the tribal chief and then recap the whole beatdown of John Cena at the contract signing that we had at the last SmackDown. Heyman takes a moment to let everybody know that Cena is not there yet due to transportation issues. You indeed cannot see John Cena. And that you won't be seeing AJ Styles either because he's still in the hospital. Uh, Jimmy kind of like... Puts his hand out, asking for the mic from, from Heyman. And Heyman doesn't look too thrilled at it. He understands what's going on. He doesn't give Jimmy the mic, but Jimmy just fucking snatches it anyway. Again, dude, Jimmy, Jimmy is taking over. I, there's, he's up to something weird. Still, like, it's like he's trying to destroy the bloodline from the inside out. Um, Jimmy gets up on the mic and says, you know, the bloodline is now in your city. But John Cena ain't there. Implying that Cena is scared of Jimmy. And he's addressing the crowd. And Carl Anderson shows up out of nowhere and takes out the entire bloodline in the ring. Um, and, and is ended up in the ring by himself saying that, you know, now, now this is OC business. Heyman's holding Solo back and is whispering in his ear. And, uh, and Solo looks over to Jimmy and says, you know, you better handle this or I'm about to handle it for you. So again, like the bloodline, man, from the inside out is just kind of falling apart. Like, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, it was one like one thing that ended the segment as well. Jimmy was there looking for the handshake from Solo. Basically, you know, oh, hey, don't worry, man, I got you. Puts his hand up for the handshake and just gets ignored. And I thought it was cute. You know, he kind of daps himself up and beats his own chest on it. But it's all it's all signs of everybody just 
completely tearing away. We see more of it into the evening. Um, and I'll jump back to the start of the promo. But even Paul Heyman, you know, he comes out there and he's usually hyping the tribal chief. He's hyping the bloodline. He was out there kind of building himself up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Kind of feeling himself. You know, he was the star. It, it's it's like they were out there with him and he wasn't out there with them how it normally is. I did kind of cut on Cena, the second GOAT. I did like that comment in there. Um, and where has Reigns been? I thought he was about to come out. Paul came out talking about, oh, I get, I'm glad I get to do this in person and not over the phone. And I'm like, oh, like, are we going to get to acknowledge Roman in person? Like, the, like he told the city to acknowledge him. But nah, it was just bait. I don't know when this guy's coming back. It's going to be hype when he does. I hope it's um October 20th. But we'll see from there. Then they kept talking about Cena. Oh, he's having car issues. He's not here right now. Didn't they say later in the show that he landed? So, like, did he have a car? Was he in a plane? What the hell? I'm like, who who cares if he's not here right now? Y'all already advertised him to be on the show. Like, we know he's going to be there. I don't care if he's late. I don't know when he was supposed to be on to begin with. We never know. You didn't say he was going to start off the show. I just thought that was weird. Um, I'm glad that they did know that AJ Styles is in the hospital. And surprise, like, I'm happy to see Carl Anderson out here now uh, talking shit. Um, where's Gallows? You know, you got two boys. We saw Meechin come out later, but we didn't see Gallows. I didn't see him at all, so I don't know where that guy is. Um, but my last last comment I really enjoyed here was that Jimmy saying, Cena is scared. He's scared of me, Jim Uso. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, I think he's going to the uh, the gym as opposed to Jimmy to to match up with Jay. But do you... At this point, like, I really do think that Jimmy is purposely trying to dismantle the bloodline from the inside. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's snatching the mic like that, he's pushing Solo, making Solo, you know, act out, have to do things that he might not normally do, letting him, you know, maybe showing him what it's like to feel like to have that free reign now that Roman's not here and you're not you know, a lab dog, you're not in command, but we'll see when Roman comes back. Cause he's going to set all that shit straight real quick. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, we've been speculating that Roman's match at crown jewel could be LA Knight, which we'll get to later on, but I'm not wondering more and more if like one of his, if that's not his next match, it's gotta be Roman Jimmy. Cause he's just got to put Jimmy down. Yeah, and I can't remember, wasn't he beating Jimmy down at the start of the bloodline and trying to get Jay to fall in line so he had to beat Jimmy up to make him do that? So I guess we could harp back to that. But I, I feel like Roman is going to make Solo fight Jimmy, and we'll see if Solo falls in line, or maybe he fights back and we end up with the Solo versus Reigns, I don't know. I, I think it would be in Solo's best interest to like take out either of them. So if Roman condones Solo taking out Jimmy, he'll just go ahead and take out Jimmy because ultimately Solo wants to take out everybody, I feel like. So if he can take out Jimmy with Roman's blessing, then that means he doesn't have to worry about both of them at the same time. So he would use that opportunity to take out Jimmy and then set up an opportunity to take out Roman, I feel like. Potentially. 
So we go to break and then we come back out of the break into the match between Carl Anderson and Jimmy Uso. Relatively quick match. Jimmy Uso splashes his way to a victory, but how'd you feel about this match? Yeah, man, quick match, not too much going on here. Um, my only real highlights was there was a beautiful spine buster by Carl Anderson uh, for a nice two count in the middle of the match. But at the very start of the match, they zoomed in on Carl Anderson's back and he had this giant gouge just in his in his like back, like left near his kidneys or whatever. What the hell happened to the guy? Because it was like before the match really even started that he looked like he had this cut. It was bad. I don't know what the hell happened there. Um, but Jimmy cheats and he gets an eye rake as Solo distracts the ref. Uh, so that way he can, you know, knock him off the rope, hit him with the super kick and get that big pinfall. Um, Jimmy looking kind of vicious. You know, he kind of was looking around, you know, kind of. I don't know, you know, just the way he was looking, looking at the crowd, kind of looking sneaky, maybe. I don't know. Sneaky, as in coming out of the crowd in a hoodie and super kicking his brother in the face, sneaky? You know, just <laughs> like that. Yeah, he's been working on that. But yeah, I, this match, you know, I, I really don't think there's uh, going to be much that comes of it. I was a little surprised to see. OC get involved with how much like friction is between AJ and them lately and then the fact that they didn't want AJ to get involved and now all of a sudden they're backing AJ up after they put AJ in the hospital um, I thought that was just a little bit a weird series of events but for me the moment of the match or the moment of the segment was uh, me Chin hitting Jimmy with one of the best slaps I've seen recently. And even Jimmy gets up and is like, damn. And Solo just looks at him completely disgusted and disappointed. That was the moment of that segment. Yeah, right Right after the match, um, Jimmy and Carl are still kind of fighting, but Solo does get in the ring and hits the spike to kind of put Carl out. There's another handshake attempt by Jimmy that gets ignored by Solo again as they move up to the ramp. And then Jimmy does get the, you know, taste slapped out of his mouth by Meechin. That's that's good on Solo for being able to hold it together on that one because, you know, he wanted to laugh. Yeah, yeah. I, I also know that he wanted to spike Jimmy and probably spike Heyman. And like I said, probably spike himself because he, the dude just wants to spike anything that moves. He's like he R. Kelly. To, oh my goodness. He probably wanted to spike me chin too. Like I'm waiting for that to pop off because there was that him and Rhea Ripley tease and they quickly had to dissolve that feud between those two factions. But something something like that's coming. Like Roman Reigns is going to fear somebody. It's going to be crazy. I, the only woman that they'll probably let him spike is Nia Jax. Mm. And, she's, and it's not going to affect her. No, no, not at all. She's just going to hit Solo with the Annihilator. And, uh, ooh, I want to see that. That'd be high. Dude, I'm for it. So after this, uh, I don't really feel like there's a need to touch on this interview too much, except for the fact that we had Kathy Kelly interviewing Escobar. And is it me or like, have we not seen Kathy Kelly for a couple weeks? Man, I, I didn't even look up 
uh, to be honest, during this segment, I, I heard homeboy talking about never stop fighting for your dreams. And I was like, man, I was like, I figured this probably could be a good little luchador match, but like, just give it a match. I, I don't care. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, it was just absolutely filler for the sake of filler. But when I saw Kathy Kelly back, because I, I may be wrong here, but I feel like we haven't seen her in a few weeks. I feel like it's been mostly like Jackie. Uh, well, Jackie's usually on Raw. I, I forget who they had doing most of the interviews on SmackDown, but I feel like we hadn't seen Kathy Kelly in a little while, and it was nice to have her back. Um, we get a, a little, again, useless kind of filler thing, but this one was comical. Uh, Jimmy is just like, destroying not like wrestlers not prospective partners for john cena just fucking anybody dude like the guy looked like he was uh part of like the production staff or something and jimmy just shoves the poor dude into the wall and just moves on and Heyman is uh finally finally breaking out the call roman reigns on this one so uh, jimmy's lost it solo's lost it the bloodlines lost it yeah, and, and Roman, what are you doing? How many times have we heard Paul Heyman call? We know that Paul's telling him everything. We know that Roman watches the show, so we know that he's seeing all this happen as well. And he's there, just like hmm, these guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna text them, and we'll see if they fall in line. If not, I'll be there in a month and a half. Yeah, I feel like the last thing I've seen from Roman was like he posted something on Twitter about like sitting on the beach or something like that. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what important business he's up to that he uh, he can't keep his tribe in line, but shit's running wild on him. Speaking of wild, we get an episode of the Grayson Walla effect featuring the almighty himself, Bobby Lashley. Waller, uh, Waller comes out with a nice line uh, in, in reference to Cena, saying that Cena may be the greatest of all time, but he ain't the greatest at being on time. And then finally introduces Bobby Lashley, brings him out, you know, to, to give him the good old Grayson Waller rub. I honestly wasn't feeling Bobby's suit this time. The, 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 eh, the lapel-less blazer, that's interesting to say, uh, wasn't, wasn't really my thing. And, you know, Bobby Lashley having a monstrous back and that kind of blazer just didn't really work well because it, it almost ended up like a dress because it had to fit around his back. And then just draped over his lean torso. It was a I wasn't a fan of this outfit, even though Bobby Lashley is usually uh, a pretty fine dresser himself. Uh, Bobby's saying that he made a mistake in picking the street profits when asked by Grayson Waller about how he feels about everything that transpired. Uh, you know, he thought they had enough pride. But apparently they don't, so he's heading back to the drawing board, at which Grayson Waller uh, suggests the team of A-Town Down Under, of him and Austin Theory, but Bobby Lashley knows all about Austin Theory, so he's going to have to pass. At this point, Street Profits, Dawkins and Tez make their entrance. Dawkins goes to apologize to Bobby. Bobby ain't having it. Tells them to prove themselves. No real clarification on what that actually means. And then leaves. So Grayson Waller at this point says that he needs to preserve the crowd. 
and he brings out Austin Theory, who has a match next. There's a little bit of a stare down on the entrance ramp involving Theory. Um, and at this point, uh, I, I was wondering if I was going to be right about my prediction of Eight Town Down Under versus Street Profits at Fastlane. Turns out that I'm going to be wrong about that. But uh, one also nice little thing is Grayson Waller has taken to calling uh, Austin Theory the 150 million hitman. And it took me a moment to figure out what the fuck that actually meant because the nickname itself kind of makes no sense. Obviously, it was in reference to the 153 social views, the all-time record-setting social views of the return of The Rock, Pat McAfee, and Austin Theory all in the ring together. Um, Even though I I think uh, linguistically the nickname may not make sense, I actually kind of like it. The 150 million hitman. That's got a kind of a kind of an interesting ring to it now. Yeah, it's it comes across very weird. And they had to say it on commentary a few times for me to kind of grasp it as well. And I was like, is it the 150 million hit? man and i was like okay well then that's that's just it right there but the first time i said it i was like i I feel like i'm missing something i believe uh cory graves on commentary was like probably 160 million by now and he said the rock was you know climbing on the coattails of austin theory um in this segment which i I love the small little comments that uh cory graves throws in there big fan but um, back back to the top of the segment, Grayson Waller came out and they had so many nicknames for this guy. He's already better than The Miz. Um, he's a star already. He tells, you know, Bobby Lashley, you're only missing just one thing, the Grayson Waller rub. And <laughs> I knew I knew he was going to say it. that's going to be his line. It's it's quality right there. Uh, Bobby, very upset with the Street Profits, um, does not want to work with Austin Theory. And it took me a minute to remember why. And I was like, oh, yeah, they sure did have a whole bunch of back and forth with that championship. So I was like, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But we'll get to see where Bobby and the Street Profits go. We get a taste of it later on in the show. I do think we're going to end up with a tag match between Street Profits and A-Town Down Under just from this segment and the stare down that Bobby Lashley had as he was passing Austin Theory, who entered to as you mentioned bring the crowd up to save the show and i i like no this is not the guy not the guy for that dude i will we'll discuss it in the match too but like i i'm starting to actually come around on theory i don't know what's changed okay like i don't understand it i think part of it was the fact that when he had the U.S. title, especially towards the end, he didn't really wrestle much. And he just kind of came out and did really dumb promos, which he still does, but like he's wrestling more than I feel like he has in months at this point. And they're usually pretty decent matches. I feel like he's moving in the ring better. And I, I don't know. Like, I... I honestly don't fully understand what's different, but this is the most I've ever liked Austin Theory. Not to say that like I really like him, but I'm just saying it's it's starting, I feel like. 
Yeah, I, I can agree with you there. Like when he when he came out, I, I laughed thinking it was a funny line to say that, you know, you brought him out. I don't know if it was maybe it was the comment from Grayson Waller, the combination of the two. But there something has changed and he's he's growing, especially what we see in the next match. Maybe it's some of the opponents that he's had previously. And because I feel like his next opponent really took some of his moves well and it, it made it look a little bit better than it may have previously for myself, at least. Yeah, so we go to break and then we come back to break in uh, come from break into his match against Cameron Grimes, who, to be honest with you, sometimes I forget that dude exists. Um relatively short match ultimately he uh theory hit a exceptionally brutal a town down for the win on this one uh and and had a little bit of a brief interaction slash altercation with dragon lee which leads them to having a match at the next smackdown but what do you got for this match yeah yeah and then we saw um right at the top of this we saw dragon lee in the crowd and i was like why um why is why is he randomly here? That's so random, but that's cool because now we're gonna get to see some good matches. Looks like we're gonna get to see him in theory. Hopefully, we get to see maybe him and Waller as well. They haven't really been letting Waller wrestle too much. Maybe you know I haven't just been noticing, but maybe they've just been letting him relax a little bit. I don't know, but he is definitely. I hope they don't relegate him to a manager role for Austin Theory. Granted, that would be great for Theory because he does kind of bore me when he talks, but. I don't want to not see Grayson Waller wrestling. Either way, I'm very excited to potentially see a Theory and Dragon Lee match. And I was thinking the same thing. Where has Grimes been? I I forgot this guy was on SmackDown or on the show at all, to be honest. But he came out hard. Um, he was he was trying to you know do something in this match, but he couldn't really do much. He did get some nice kicks. Uh, to the chest of um, Austin Theory. Uh, pretty pretty good there. He did hit a nice big deadlift German as well in the middle of the match, which was pretty nice. But the crowd was just not really reacting to the guy. You know, sometimes they stop and they pander to the crowd and they try to get the crowd to pump him up. And the crowd just wasn't reacting at all. Um, we eventually got a distraction from Grayson Waller on the outside. Uh, Grimes gets sent face first into the post, thrown back into the ring, and Austin Theory hits his classic rolling drop kick. And he got so high on this drop kick, he basically kicked this guy in the face, hits the A town down, and Grimes just kind of ate that shit. His body just looked limped as he threw him over his shoulder. And one, two, three, a uh, pretty good match. And I don't know what happened at the end. Uh, the ref was like stopping Dragon Lee from you know, jumping the barricade to get after Austin Theory. And like, I'm sorry, like I would have, I would have jumped over everybody and beat that man's ass if I'm actually upset with what this, this happens multiple times. What are you doing, kid? Yeah. And I, one of the first things I wrote down was like, man, Dragon Lee has been appearing on main roster shows a lot. Like, is he moving up? Like, is this the dude that they're moving up right away? And then later on in the Escobar-Ray match, you know, there were shots of him as well. And it's like, okay, is is Ray maybe like on his way out for a little bit? And they're going to have Dragon Lee join the LWO? Like, I, I don't know. But I, 
I'm very much getting the feeling that Dragon Lee is is soon to be full on part of the main roster. And and he should be. The guy was a megastar like before he joined. He was I mean, no slight to any NXT um person that's down there, but we know a lot of those individuals are not developmental. They are ready to go right now, and Dragon Lee was one of them. Um and they're probably realizing that because every time he goes out there, he he does put on a nice little show. Well, and I think a big difference is that um I would say lately NXT has really taken the approach of like homegrown where they take like their their really young people in the developmental center and like build them up through NXT whereas like Dragon Lee kind of came in established a bit already so he kind of had like a little bit of a one up on a lot of the people there Yeah for sure and I I don't know how I feel about seeing him join the LWO because yeah, you have Ray and Escobar, and they're kind of portrayed well. But I'm sorry, the other two guys, like, they're literally garbage. So I, I don't know if I necessarily want to see him join that, unless there's some something that changes inside that group, which we might see, uh, depending on a segment later. Yeah, I I don't know exactly what, what they're going to do, but I do feel like he's primed to be joining the main roster and i think i they're going to take that free agent approach that you were kind of talking about maybe treat jade with because he's appeared on both smackdown and raw so he has a match next week on smackdown and he just had a match on raw so interesting treatment of this dude but hey i'm i'm all for it um after this, we end up like a, a glimpse of Jimmy and Solo taking out Ashanti the Adonis backstage. We get a nice little uh, yeet out of Jimmy, but they're clearly trying to make sure that Cena has no partner for this upcoming match. But like, why this dude? That's what I was asking myself the entire time. Like, out of all of the fucking people to to randomly take out to prevent teaming with John Cena. This is the dude that you go with? I'm I'm glad that we had this segment because I was curious if the other two people of Hit Row were still there. And now we know. They're they're both still there and they're still they're just backstage getting beat up. That's all. Um and then we also Maybe had, they're part of catering now though. You, you never know. Potentially, but hey, they're employed though, at least. Right? At least. <laughs> they're getting checks. But we also had in the background, we had a rare appearance of Kurt Angle's son, Jason Jordan, um, in the background of this of this particular segment, yelling at uh, Jimmy and Solo after he put Homeboy through the table. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, he was one of like, you know, just the random quote unquote executive people in the background. Wow, I'm going to I'm going to have to peek that again. Um, But after this, we end up in the match. For the U.S. title between the current champion, Rey Mysterio versus Santos Escobar, uh, Zelina Vega was the only member of LWO to accompany anybody out to the ring, uh, supporting both competitors. Although, like, I, I couldn't really tell, like, what she actually wanted to happen during the match. I feel like she was rooting for Rey, but was, like, trying to be low-key about it, but wasn't doing a great job uh, at it. 
but uh, ultimately we get Ray retaining here. And like the main takeaway I had from this match, like I, I didn't really care for the match, to be honest with you. I was expecting much more of a Lucha style match, kind of like what we just had with Dragon Lee and Dom. Like a very fast-paced, like a lot of action crammed into a little amount of time. And I mean, they gave the match plenty of time. Um, But it really just ended up into more of like a a typical big man, little man match for for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, how I saw this match, it it came across as an older veteran and a younger up-and-comer who studied this veteran. There were a lot of counters and a lot of upper hands gained by Santos Escobar throughout the match, only to have the veteran you know, be a veteran in the end and actually take the victory. Um, it was it was a fun little match. I was expecting a lot more speed and action, but this was pretty jam-packed. Um, number one, Ray with the black mask. I like that. I, I was thinking, Ray, we're not going to see a heel turn, right? But the closest we'll get is maybe he was thinking black mask. I'm, I'm going to be a little heartless because I'm going into this you know, ready to fight. Um, We had a small segment beforehand where he told, you know, backstage promo to Santos Escobar, careful what you wish for. I'm going to give you the fight of your life. And as he comes out, he does give that hug to Dragon Lee. Uh, So we see something could be involved there. And I was thinking as well, if I was Dragon Lee, I'd ask for front row tickets for this match as well, because it does sound on paper like a hype match, especially, you know, if from that that heritage, that culture, you know, you're probably super hype on this shit as well. And they also noted on commentary to your note about Zelina Vega that she made her own entrance separate of the two gentlemen. So she wasn't coming out trying to play any sides. It was very unknown where her feelings were because at at the end, she looked kind of happy to see a good match and then shit popped off and we never saw her again. So we don't really know, but small little touch, you know, I feel like there's some potential storyline things going on there. But getting into the actual match, like I mentioned, you know, we kind of started off with just a little bit of wrist locks and then trying to feel each other out counter after counter, um, basically getting into each other what they had into each other before. And pretty much Ray would you know try a move and santos would overpower and outsmart him you know like you mentioned big man little man you know he'd counter him not only with his size but with his speed and knowledge and almost knowing some some of the things that ray was going to be doing before he would do them uh, we did have one moment when ray was about to hit the 619 but out of nowhere santos hits a big super kick knocking ray out of the ring he you know cocks the arrow shoots it before hitting the big suicide dive, uh, knocking Ray down. And then he has all the faith in the world with these fans because he stands up on the barricade, right? You know, with everybody in the front row to hit a moonsault onto Ray, who's just laying there on the entrance ramp. And uh, that's a lot of faith, you know, because, you know, obviously nobody's going to do anything, but those things are slippery. Anybody could grab your leg or mess with you. It's just... Big risk, you know, but big reward was very nice. You know, good little uh, good little move there he hit on the outside. Uh, eventually, we get back on the inside where we get some beautiful tilt-to-whirl backbreakers by Santos Andre. 
big man little man you know he's just throwing this man around the second time he grabs him he puts him over his neck into the torture rack and he's just kind of running around the ring as he's bending this man and then drops down on both of his knees and just snapping the back of ray over the neck of santos escobar oh that was gruesome that was pretty good you know ray gets a little bit of a counter action but santos gets him right back and they're back on the the top rope fighting each other off where ray jumps from behind santos off of the post to hit some like nasty head scissors very unique you know ray always busting something different out uh every time that he can um, but we do get some fighting over 619. Ray drop kicks him in the booty, sends him into the ropes. Santos does catch him on the first 619, but Ray is able to hold on to the ropes, roll back through with another little head scissors takeover, sending Santos back into the ropes to finally hit the 619. But, you know, he's old, he's tired, he's beat up. It takes a while before he can get up top to hit the frog splash. Um, and Santos moves out the way. We then get counter for counter. You know, Santos tries to pin. Ray counters it. Ray tries to pin. Santos gets him up. He's about to hit him with the Phantom Driver. And then Ray, the savvy veteran that he is, turns that into a slick roll-up. One, two, three. Ray is still your U.S. champion. And Santos doesn't want to give him a handshake. He's sitting in the corner. He's kind of not believing this actually happened. And before... We can see if he actually gives him the handshake or not. Out come the street profits. And they, they you know, they quickly start to beat down. Um, then we get Lashley coming out as well after, you know, the street profits get their hits in. And he's just elated. Biggest smile on his face, you know, as he's walking down, down to the ring. And then out come the other two members of LWO. And one of them, Bobby Lashley, like sees one run past him and reacts to notice the other one's about to pass him by and just puts his elbow up. Just imagine, like you see in the cartoons when, you know, somebody's running down the road and they have their arm out of a car and they just grab him. And they just stop in midair. This dude, his head might have exploded on, on Bobby's elbow um, with how hard he hit him. But other homeboy gets in the ring and they hit the sky high neckbreaker combo that they are now calling the cash out. Um, they, Dragon Lee is upset on the side and looks like we're probably going to see LWO and Street Profits. Is it going to be a, a three on three? Is Dragon Lee going to step in? Because I feel like Dragon Lee should step in over the other two homeboys, Joaquin Wilde and what's his face, because it's going to be a way better match. Um, but I think Street Profits. Now that Bobby Lashley's behind them, I maybe we're gonna see some new music soon. I don't know. I I hope so. Um, there were there was just a whole bunch of weirdness to some of the things I felt like that that were going on here. Um, overall, like I actually think the match disappointed a little. I I wasn't a huge fan of this match. I didn't think it was all that good. I thought some of the big moments were kind of sloppy. The moonsault off the barricade, like. Santos was super crooked in the air. It didn't look very good. Um, I thought one of the more impactful moments was Escobar hit uh, Ray back-to-back with two meteoras in the corner, uh, him flying across the ring. That was that was a little more impactful moment for me. Um, but I just didn't, you know, the, the match just didn't really do it for me. I think it was milked a little bit longer than it should have been. 
especially like if they went with the big man, little man, like slower pace than at least what I was expecting. Um, I, at one point, uh, Escobar was, was like telling Ray, like, I can't do this, man. I can't do this. Like, basically I can't beat your ass. And, and Ray was adamant that there had to be a winner and they had to keep going. So, uh, when that happened, I was like, well, if they're trying to, to, to paint that Escobar ain't got this in him, that means Ray's winning. And yeah, indeed Ray won. Um, but as far as the street profits go, like this is what they needed to do to prove themselves to Bobby Lashley beat two fucking men who just had a match that, that literally nothing is on the line for. So like you come out and, and you do something that doesn't get you anything, doesn't get you anywhere. And, and this, because what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to essentially taunt them into a multi-man match, whether it's a a three on three, which it sounds like it's going to be because afterwards backstage, LWO straight up challenges Lashley and the street profits at fast lane. Um, to which I, I think Santos was like cursing in Spanish because they kept bleeping some of the things he's, he was saying out. But like, where, what does this get them? Do, does this get them anything? Like if it, maybe it gets a Bobby Ray match set up for the US title and, and maybe we end up Bobby with the title, which I, I wouldn't hate. But like, really, this, this is what Bobby Lashley needed to fucking see to, to have the Street Profits prove themselves to him. Like, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a lame, lame take. I, I I feel you, man. But he needed to see that they had that that vicious side that they were able to do whatever it takes to make sure they they were back on top and they got that you know they were on top at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I just you know it, it's it's like uh, they're I don't know. It just didn't accomplish anything. It, you know what I mean? It was like okay, these two men are already beaten down, and like okay, you hit them a couple times, and and like. Ooh, wow! Like, am I supposed to be impressed? No, like I, I that wouldn't have done, that did, wouldn't have done shit for me. It, for what happened to get to this point where they needed to prove themselves to Lashley, to me it was like, okay, they need to fight. To me, it was set up perfectly. Okay, you want to prove yourself? Do a tag match against A Town Down Under, beat them, and then humiliate them in the ring afterwards. That is how you prove yourself to Bobby Lashley, not doing what they just did. You 100% agree with you, and I, I yeah, figured that's probably, and we're probably going to see that afterwards. I don't know why we wouldn't see it beforehand, but yeah, my only last comments on this segment and then the small little pieces afterwards. It it did feel long. It would have been better if they was if there was more action, if it was more fast paced with the length that they had. I I'm glad that they tried to make it seem like a big deal. Granted, even though it wasn't the main event, at least they tried to make it seem like this was important because this was a title match, even though it's been a division that we don't even know who's a part of it now. It feels like it's only LWO in this division. Um, but right after this, you know, before we get them in medical backstage they do give us breaking news that the goat has landed and i said this is getting out of hand at this point because i I guess he's landed now so they they, that's a flight you know i don't know how you land in a car and then they did another 
uh, shout out to Deion Sanders in Colorado. And I'm like, that team's not even ranked. All right. I'm seeing a lot of Deion Sanders in Colorado on SmackDown and they're not even ranked. I guess they make money from people watching it, but whatever. But they were definitely cussing in Spanish because Ray and Santos were getting cut out in that medical segment for me. Yeah, which I found interesting of like, okay, you let them go or or like you didn't know what they're, I don't know. that It was just a weird moment because usually you don't see that. Um, so I, I don't know what exactly happened there, but yeah, after this we get like, it went from Cena landed to like two minutes later, here he is peeling in in a Mustang in the parking garage, contract in hand, ready to go. And I was like, wow, is this arena like on the airport grounds or something? Cause that, this is, this is a very quick series of events. Yo, like. So so I'm still in the assumption that he landed, which means that he took a plane and he got there very quickly, as you mentioned. I'm assuming that's what he wore on the plane, just his jorts and his never give up T-shirt that he just lives in that, by the way. Also respect loyalty, bro. And his um, his contract that was at his carry on. That was just his one item. And was that an electric Mustang? I mean, it kind of looked nice. No, no, it wasn't. Oh, was was just a a regular model? Yeah, and no, I th- honestly I think it was one of the four bangers, like just the the four cylinder turbo ones. I used to have one of those, uh, which they are more fun than they sound. Um, but yeah, I was just like, okay, this is you know, did did he did he get the Kobe treatment and came in on helicopter or what? Like I I don't I don't know what was going on there. And then we end up with your vignette of the night. We get a pretty deadly vignette again. And like, all right, dude, I, I'm indifferent towards Pretty Deadly. Like, they're not my favorite tag team. They're not my least favorite tag team. I'd like them because they're a tag team for sure. And, and like we talk about all the time, there's not a lot of them. A lot of, a lot of the male tag, a lot of the tag teams in WWE period are not tag teams. They're just singles competitors forced to be together. Um, and so I like them from that standpoint, but dude, they're building this shit up too much. Like either it, I, I don't know the, the severity. And I mean, yes, they said it was a separated shoulder for Elton and whatnot. So like, I don't know where that whole injury is at, but either like do this closer to his return or just fucking bring them back. Like, I don't need four to five weeks of return rehab videos. Like, this is, it's starting to get a little too much for me. Um, I mean, when, once he finally got up out of the wheelchair and we got the big yes boy, I'm like, okay, okay, can we, can we move on? Like, can they either please get in the ring or not? Like, shit or get off the pot? Blasphemous statements. I, I oppose all words that were previously spoken in, oh my goodness, my heart. They they they're probably only gonna egg this on probably about three more weeks. Um, I, I see only only because <laughs> they're not gonna do anything before Fastlane, right? So next next show we're probably gonna see another segment when they're when they're talking about you know returning and probably the week after that we'll see them in person where they're actually you know start the beef with brawling brutes because as we saw as well after this we saw the brawling brutes we know that that's gonna be their first return feud. 
but man they're just you know he's he's in the wheelchair you know he's struggling you know he just doesn't have it he just doesn't have it like he used to he's trying to get the eye poke on the dummy and he, you know he just can't get the eyes he hits him in the mouth he hits him in the forehead he just can't do it you know he's trying to get up he's trying to reach for the tag as he sits in that wheelchair in the middle of the ring and he just he just can't reach but you know he's there he's got his boy and he's 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 pushing him you know what i'm saying he's he's helping him stay strong elton strong you know and he's got the chair and he's trying to hit the bag and he can barely swing it but you know he practices day after day trying so hard pushing his body to the limits that i don't know any human body in existence that's been pushed as hard as as his has recently with these severe injuries and i'm surprised he's even able to make such the quick comeback that he's making right now but if we see him getting there he hits the eye poke he swings the chair he smacks you know <laughs> he smacks the <laughs> the punching bag and he's reaching finally we're back in the ring he's still in the chair and he's reaching he's reaching for that tag and he steps and he stands and he walks and i audibly gasp <laughs> When I saw his foot move, because I didn't, I didn't know, and I didn't know, and he makes the tag, and we get it. Yes, boy. It was just too much. Like, it's it's too much. It's too much. Give me give me rehab videos of Liv Morgan. Give me rehab videos of mommy. Like. Give me that shit. I don't need four goddamn weeks and then three more as you're predicting. So seven total fucking weeks of rehab videos of Pretty Deadly. Like I said, I like Pretty Deadly. I ain't got nothing against them. But like, it's just too much, bro. You know, now that you mentioned, I forgot about Liv Morgan. Is she all right? Like, where? what's her ETA? Yeah, I want to know. Give me, give me some rehab videos of live, man. Like, what the fuck? I don't, I don't, I don't need, you know, thirty of Elton finally getting out of a wheelchair after a shoulder injury. That's I mean, even the brawling brutes backstage were like, "What the fuck, man? We we should have broke his legs." Like, even they're like, "What? What is this?" Yeah, that that was that was a cute little touch they put on there. Eager to see the return and the match. We're likely to see that um, probably after Fastlane would be my guess. We'll, we'll probably see their return. I mean, if they're getting this much attention for this rehab, this be- they better be getting like the push of all pushes. I think they're getting belts. There's there's a lot of tag teams in line to to take the the belts from. Judgment Day, who were also noti- noticeably absent from this entire episode, um, which I found interesting. But after this, because I honestly just want to move on from this video, <laughs> uh, we get into our main event of the night. Um, for me, match of the night, even though I thought it could have been longer and there could have been more to it for sure but still it was i don't know there weren't like a ton of contenders i guess for match of the night there were no like exceptionally bad matches tonight but there was also no like exceptionally good ones i felt like on paper charlotte flair versus bailey for the first time and apparently his commentary said i think three years um 
had potential to be amazing, especially like if you think about it, um, Charlotte being the queen doesn't really get in the ring all that much lately. You know, I mean, she, she had, has had a belt on her so much. And then she, when she does, she kind of turns into those like one defense, every other PLE kind of wrestler. And Bailey, I think just doesn't really, in comparison to how she used to be, just doesn't wrestle as much either. Like I've, you know, she takes more like that leadership director role in damage control, occasionally having matches, but not nearly as much as she used to. So for these two storied women to be fighting each other for the first time in a long ass time, uh, I was kind of expecting and hoping for a little bit more, but honestly, it wasn't all that long of a match. There were some really nice, uh, really nice moments to it. I really liked in the beginning of the match before it started, and and Charlotte is asking Bailey what happened to her, as she used to be one of the four horsewomen, and now she's a stepping stone while Charlotte remains the measuring stick, and and that she she plans on challenging Io after she wins the match. So I thought that was a very like poignant thing for her to say um and then before before i let you take it over on this i just want to say that i think dakota kai might be the most useless faction member in all of wwe you know damage control i feel like is not intimidating at all because of her it's basically just eo and bailey because even when Dakota Kai was healthy, which I don't even remember when she's been healthy at this point, but even when she has been healthy, she doesn't really do a whole lot. And she might honestly be worse than Giovanni Vinci. And that's saying a lot. Yikes. That's, that is, those are strong words. Um, I have, I mean, she hasn't been wrestling too often recently to lose matches like Vinci has been losing for me to put her right there with it but I can I can see what you're saying because she doesn't yeah she's been injured but even on the outside she doesn't really cheat or help or do much at all she's just kind of present you know for attendance yeah and I think like I said when you when you approach damage control and then it's basically boiled down to just EO and Bailey like EO at this point in her career is the more intimidating one out of those two. And Bailey, I feel like just resorts to tactics more at this point in her career. So like, again, when you look at it and, and you take somebody like the queen or you take somebody like Asuka or you take somebody like Rhea Ripley or Bianca Belair, wherever she is, where's her rehab video? Yo, like, come on. Um, and those women are not scared of a tandem of Bailey EO. They're just not. Yeah, not at all, not at all. And speaking of being scared of women, we we did see the the hype of Jade Cargill signing, and my guess is she's likely to be a SmackDown star. So seeing her getting mixed in this division, obviously getting some matches with experienced people like Charlotte and Bailey, but those those would be real fun uh, down in that division as well. Isn't isn't Bianca on SmackDown at this point, right? Or, or Yeah, she is. Which is why I I think that Jade belongs on Raw because once this sh- short-lived Nia Jax contract is up, Rhea has no competition on Raw. So That's very true. You know, to me, it's either 
give her the NXT belt, but have most of her matches on main roster, kind of like uh, Becky, or put her on Raw and make her contend with Rhea. I I feel like they're going to want either Rhea Jade for WrestleMania or Jade Bianca for WrestleMania. One of those two matches is most likely going to be the case with an outside chance of it being Jade Charlotte if Charlotte has a belt at that point. Um but if you look at just the the strength of the women's rosters, to me there's more viable champion women on SmackDown than there are Raw. So to me it makes more sense to put her on Raw. Very true. 100% agree there, but back to the SmackDown women and the the match that we had here. I did like Charlotte just randomly starting the match off by grabbing the mic and talking shit. Um I do think that that comment was just a dagger in the heart to Bailey. Basically, you know, the measuring stick versus the stepping stone. And I mean, just look at it as you described it earlier. You know, you mentioned Bailey. She's sorted to tactics recently in her career. And then Charlotte, the queen, like just you can't even just talk about them without identifying the difference in between the two. And I'm just here thinking as well. It's been what, three weeks since Charlotte came back and she's already in the title picture already about to get a title shot and probably win it because it's Charlotte. Like it, it, she just came back. And this is literally what I was complaining about beforehand. And you know, here it is just, just like every other time. So I was really hoping for Bailey to win was hoping for a good little match here too, as well. As you mentioned, they haven't wrestled in a while and these two always like to go. Hopefully, this was just a taste of something bigger in the future because after this, it does feel like we're going to get something in the mix with Bailey. Um, but my highlights of this match, you know, Bailey was going hard to start. Um, she does give a little high five to EO on the outside, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm really doing it, aren't I? Um, at one point, she sends Charlotte to the outside and Charlotte's just kind of bent over, you know, on all fours. And she hits this jumping elbow off the apron to the back of Charlotte's neck. That was absolutely disgusting. I love that. Had some nice woo chops from both sides. Uh, Charlotte did it to Bailey. Bailey did it to Charlotte. Um, and then Charlotte eventually just hits a spear which we all know is the most dominating move in wrestling history uh, to take the victory. And then, you know, we get some chit-chat here. Um, they're about to beat down on Charlotte as Bailey's, you know, talking shit. And they're about to 3v1. And then Asuka comes out and, you know, all of a sudden she just starts talking. I had no clue what she's saying but she says it you know she says it and the crowd pops off like they do what the hell she said and i'm like there's no way there's just a large group of people in sacramento that knew what the hell she said and they just got excited i was like i don't know what the hell she said but bailey assumes that she says oh yeah you want that three-way between you charlotte and eo at the pay-per-view well you got it and then eo is like wait the fuck that's not at all i don't want that so I, I don't know if Bailey's gonna going to end up in that match and it's gonna be a four-way. Um, but I feel like that's even more dissension within damage control, especially between EO and Bailey, something that they've weren't really hinting at 
recently they kind of took a break on it but something we saw a lot more from that money in the bank win by eo yeah and if they set this up and insert bailey into it uh it it's going to end up a five way because there was also a noticeable absence any time that bailey is involved there was no shotzi um and who was one of charlotte's most recent tag partners so I, I don't know. This may end up in a in a straight up like women's brawl match. We'll we'll find out. Um, I did find it funny how they like try to surround Charlotte, and especially after what I just said about Dakota Kai of just like okay, so it's basically two v one, and if you want the way that Charlotte just handled Bailey, uh, EO and Bailey versus Charlotte, like I I'd, I'd feel pretty good about that if I was Charlotte. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Braun Breaker likes to tout the best spear in the business. Dude, Charlotte's spear in this match was probably one of the best ones I've seen in a while. Like, you know, especially Braun Breaker. Um, I feel like he doesn't always leave the ground that much. Like, usually his feet are still on the ground when he contacts somebody. And Roman is this way too. Whereas, like, if I look back to some of the best spears I've ever seen, a lot of them are like Goldberg as as not great as he was in the ring sometimes like he he went off on that spear you know what i mean like he fully left the ground and was completely superman horizontal when he contacted somebody's body and charlotte being the athletic acrobatic queen that she is did that exact thing in this match and i was like that is a spear yeah, was a nice little move. Charlotte's great. Um, I do like to see her in the ring. She's fun to watch. I've just seen it a lot. That's all. But see, here's the thing: is like I don't, I don't fault her for that because like I fault the WWE for that because they haven't had women that can make you believe they can take down Charlotte. You know, Rhea. Yes, and we got that, and it happened. Um. You know, Bianca could be another one. Jade will be another one. But outside of that, before Rhea ended up being what she is now, it was Charlotte. Charlotte was the one that you looked at and was like, who the hell in this company can defeat this woman? It was no one for a long ass time. So like, I don't blame Charlotte for that at all. And and I don't like, it doesn't make me sour on her. If anything, it makes me sour on the rest of the women's division. Yeah, yeah, I get exactly where you're coming from. It would be nice to see more valid threats. And I don't, you know, there's not much they have that they can build up, start on the roster right now. We'll see. Maybe somebody in NXT, um, Tiffany Stratton, you know, she gained a lot of points in the Henron book, but uh, at this, you know, recent show. But um, I can't really think of anybody else off the top of my head. Yeah. So to close out this show, we finally get the greatest of all time, John Cena. You can actually see him in the ring. He came out with his shirt on, so that's how I knew we weren't going to get a surprise match. Uh, He addresses how the bloodline left him knocked out in the ring, but they also left him with exactly what he wanted, a signed contract for a match at Fastlane. So he says he can either rip it up or stand and fight. And, I mean, we know. We know what the greatest of all time would do. 
he will honor that contract. And if he doesn't find a partner, he'd be willing to do a handicap match. So this is when Jimmy and Solo and Heyman come out. Uh, they acknowledge the message that they're trying to send is that if you team up with John Cena, you're going to have to get dealt with by the bloodline. Jimmy says that John ain't even going to make it to Fastlane. Uh, this is when we get John going Super Saiyan, taking his shirt off, takes out Jimmy, taunts Solo. Solo gets in the ring. Cena uh, dodges a spike, gets Solo up for an AA, but eats a super kick to the face. Bloodline proceed to have their way with John Cena. They set John up on the announce table. Jimmy goes to splash him. But Solo stops him and says, let me do it. So Solo's getting in position. And as he's getting in position, we get L.A. Knight. Yeah. L.A. Knight makes his entrance. A little weird moment. He comes in and he hits Solo with a giant neck breaker that I'm pretty sure the commentary called the BFT. Uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong there. Um then he gets Jimmy in the ring, takes him out, gives him the big old elbow drop. He signs the contract as John Cena's partner, and John Cena loses his mind in a good way. Like, can't believe it. Holy shit, we're doing this. And that's how the show ends. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, a little, little expected, but it's nice to, nice to see the yeah man back in action. Uh, we got crazy Cena coming out here first off. If you like, we can just tear up contracts. Like, I guess maybe since he was the one that initiated the contract, he's, you know, there's like a void clause in there or something, and he, there's no repercussions for tearing it up. But I'm like, the John Cena clause. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? And if they knew he could tear it up, why are they even beating people back up? He could just say, I don't want the match at any moment in time, and they can't do anything about it. So, why are they so upset if, if they knew that this? Could be a thing. I guarantee you Paul Heyman should know because that's the probably type of contract he gets for his boys when he gets them a contract. But whatever. Um, you know, Cena's hype basically says, I'll fight you myself if I can't find a partner. And we get Jim. Uh he, you know, he starts coming out, talking that shit. Cena, as you mentioned, Super Saiyan with the shirt off. We get the fight. And I did like the small note here. They said Cena up on the announce table and Jimmy's about to go for the big splash. But Solo says, no, I want it. I want to take him out. And maybe in my head, this is if Solo can take out John Cena, maybe he can take out Roman Reigns. If I take out the second goat, how, how high up does that actually make me? How powerful am I? You know, those are some thoughts I was thinking in Solo's head, but we do get the yeah man himself. Yeah, to come save the day. Um, big pop from John Cena when he signs that contract. So it should be fun to see how this goes. The crowd went crazy for LA Knight. When he hit that neck breaker, the fucking roof popped off the building. Um, they they just love this man. Even, you know, he doesn't like he could do anything out there. It doesn't matter what he does, and they're literally gonna pop off for that shit. Did they call it a BFT? I didn't. Uh, I heard them say a bunch of random stuff, but I wasn't paying too much attention to it, noted that. It, it just distracted me. Usually, like there was a moment earlier in the show with uh, in, in the U.S. title match where like. This has been a theme with Ray lately of like 
having issues with his mask. Like it either came undone, he he undid it himself, it broke or something, and then like he's trying to he he's up and trying to hold the mask on and like when shit like that happens and it's distracting shit, it bothers me because it's like it's little dumb stuff, but like you know, it's so I, I I used to be an audio engineer a lot and uh and like you did a good job when nobody noticed you did anything. You know what I mean? But like when there's tons of feedback or it sounds like shit or whatever and then you notice it, that's when you do a bad job. Like you doing a good job is nothing being noticed at all. And to me it's kinda like that with this little stuff of like when it's the dumb little things that go wrong that distract you and like almost pull you out of like this tunnel vision focus on the moment uh that that kind of stuff always bothers me maybe it's nitpicky it's probably just partially my personality is what it is either way um overall like i said this is how i want a smackdown to go you know a, a fair balance of match to segment with some like progress made in both areas. Yeah, this was a fun little show. Um, I enjoyed the segments. I, I enjoyed the matches. You know, I didn't really have any complaints. I didn't feel that anything was uh, maybe some of the Ray Santos leading up to it, but they wanted to make it a big deal. I get that. So I can't necessarily say there was much I would have not wanted in the show. But I, I had fun, didn't really hate it. And my comment on the Ray and his mask, mask thing, I think um santos caught him under the chin with a super kick and it looked like he like loosened it or hit the straps because it looks like that's where it's strapped is right underneath the chin so i know at one point he had super kicked him and it looked like he kicked his mask off so i don't know if maybe that was part of it but i definitely know what you were talking about yeah and i mean they're both lucha style wrestlers ray's wrestled with a mask for probably as long as i've been alive um so you, you would think things like that wouldn't happen. And I get every now and then, but I feel like the last few Ray matches, there's been mask drama. Yeah, he's probably, uh, I don't know, maybe they don't fit him anymore. Maybe he's reusing old masks, right? Who knows? Uh, that guy, I don't yeah. know. All right, so that's it for SmackDown. Um, what, what do you got? Just some quick things on uh, the NXT that we had, the last NXT leading up to No Mercy. So this would have been from September 26th. Yeah, the go-home show, I'll go over some quick notes. Uh, we did have the final to that uh, NXT Heritage Cup tournament where uh, Butch and Joe Coffey had a nice little match. Um, Butch won, so we do get to see Butch going forward uh, to wrestle Noam Dar uh, at the pay-per-view No Mercy. Uh, we did get the information in regards to why Dom actually has a match on Saturday. I know we had, you know, some former things that were planned, you know, with Mustafa Ali, but that's not really a thing. Dom has a backstage segment and he thought he actually had the day off and he's there, you know, hype and excited. He said, I get a Saturday free to hang with mommy and eat some chicken tendies. And then. <laughs> The backstage announcer's like, what are you talking about? You actually have a match. And then he's super pissed um, at Shawn, Mo Shawn Michaels. And he's like, I, I can't keep letting him do this to me. And the triple match was Axiom, Tyler Bate, and Dragon Lee uh, to see who can you know, get a title shot at the pay-per-view. Um, we are getting the buildup of the four-way match that it ended up being um, between Out the Mud, 
just was it Bronco Lima, Lucian Price, the Creed Brothers, um, Umberto Korea and Angel Garza. I don't know if they have a tag team name. And then Tony and Stax. It, uh, they all eventually met at some table where they were eating and talking. But that's what led to the four-way. Uh, Trick Williams beat Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy went off on, um, I, I forget her name, um, but a- Ava, Ava Don maybe, something like that. And was basically saying that that's it. You know, this is not, you know, this is not the lifestyle for you. Um, this group isn't the group for you. Um, the schism or whatever the hell he, he, they called themselves. He said they're dead. So we'll see where she goes. Looks like she might be going off on her own. Who knows? There was some rough acting in that segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we do get uh, Blair Davenport, Gigi Dolan. They're probably going to have a match next week or week after next, something like that. We get the reveal of Thea Hale um, and JC Jane. She's got a new outfit. She's got new music. So that's a thing. Um, we get Baron Corbin was randomly wearing some new gear that had burn all over it. Like he was Seth Rollins. That was really weird. Uh, there was some hype when Braun Breaker came out because Baron Corbin was talking shit and they just started fighting and there was just backstage segments throughout the night of them fighting in the parking lot, you know, beating up each other on the Kia, you know, had to get that plug in there where they eventually tackled each other through the wall into Shawn Michaels office. That segment um, actually ended the episode. We also had the strap match between Dijak and Thorpe. It was a cute little match, very very short for a strap match. Um, Thorpe was able to win with his flashy little elbow off the top. Um, but Dijak was whipping this man. His um, Thorpe's niece was in the crowd, and Dijak would you know beat this man and, and yell at the niece, "Look at him! You know this is for you." <laughs> and she was actually crying, like she actually was having a bad time. So that was that was pretty good, Dijak. Kind of beat the shit out of that man, but he still lost. And then afterwards, um, Dijak attacked him. So we're probably going to see more of that feud, I guess. Um, but randomly, we had a backstage promo with Trick Willie. And, you know, they're talking. Basically, the backstage commentator was kind of talking shit, asking him how he felt about you know, Mello and his upcoming match and his title. And he's like, how are you going to talk about another man instead of me? You know, he's like, Mello about to get his, I'm about to get mine. And we eventually see him go talk to Shawn Michaels, which turns that three-way discussed earlier into a four-way um, Trick Willie now added to the match between Dragon Lee, Tyler Bate, and Axiom. And match of the night. This, honestly, I think was better than anything on, on SmackDown as well. This was fucking great um, i really enjoyed this match there was a taste of axiom and dragon lee i'd love to see a one-on-one match between those two that would be amazing as well um some high spots here there was one point where trip williams put a boston crab onto dragon lee tyler Bate jumps down puts an arm bar onto dragon lee so now we got a double submission on dragon lee and then axiom jumps in and hits a sleeper onto trick williams so we get you know the four-way um submission which was great 
at one point trick williams hit like a break dance kick where you, you know you kind of move on your hands and your feet like you're about to spin on your head but he kind of did that into an enziguri which was beautiful um he's shown off his strength hit a double flapjack on both of the men at one point axiom hits a half and half suplex on tyler Bate and just drops the guy right on his head Bate was fine it appeared but it was crazy um at another point, Trick Williams hits a double rock bottom on two individuals and Booker T's on commentary. It's a bookend. That's the bookend. So <laughs> I loved it. Uh, Booker T was going off, uh, which was quality content as well. Um, big strong boy, Tyler Bate, uh, had the airplane spin and the big and the big swing, you know, moving around with two gentlemen there. We did get a Canadian destroyer from Axiom to break up a pinfall, which was nasty. Um, to finish the match, had a big Spanish fly uh, between Axiom and Dragon Lee. Dragon, or from Axiom to Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee holds on to it, doesn't want to give up. He stands up. Um, he's about to hit his finish. He hits his little destino. I'm not too sure what they actually call his finish, but it basically flips over him into a, like a reverse style DDT. About to get the pinfall. Trick Williams gets back in there. Dragon Lee headbutts Trick Williams, who's now knocked out. Trick Williams falls backwards into the ropes, and who's trying to climb in from the outside is Tyler Bate, who then gets headbutted by Trick Williams on accident. Dragon Lee Bate fall out of the ring. Trick Williams bounces off the ropes and falls forward into the pinfall, and he won the number one contenders match to move on to the pay-per-view. Um at the end, we do have a contract signing between Melo and Dragunov. One comment was Melo saying, I'm not one of these fools that you beat. I'm not Wes. I'm not Trick. And he kind of catches himself because, you know, I feel like we're getting a little bit of hinting of Trick versus um, Melo here down the line. You know, they're both. Trick was very happy to celebrate with Melo, letting him know, like, you know, I got the opportunity. You know, I, I'm going to be a champion, too. And Melo's like, yeah, we both going to come out of that, well, you know, as champions. And all I could think was, I don't think so, brother. I think only one of you is coming out of that uh, show with the belt. And I don't think it's going to be you, man. Um, Dragon Lee is going to be the special guest referee of that um, Dominic Mysterio Truk Williams North American Championship match for the pay-per-view as well. And that was the go-home episode of NXT. Yeah, there was some interesting parts. Uh, I'm all about the makeover slash, I, I guess, heel turn, if you want to call it, of Thea Hale. Um, get, get, that, get that woman away from Chase U. Uh, Ch- Chase U will take nobody nowhere. I it's not it's not a type of faction or a type of uh vibe that would ever work on the main roster so i think she has the most talent and most ability out of anybody there and she needed to get out of there fast and so to me like now she's in a persona where she could go join damage control or you know there's plenty of women for her to pair with uh in this type of vibe Super glad that it is Trick Williams taking on Dom Mysterio. I feel really good about that match, especially after 
the performance that Dom just gave us coming off of the match of his career, no doubt, against Dragon Lee with a huge clean win. Um, I think that match is going to be an absolute banger. Like, There's a lot of really, really fun things to look forward to at No Mercy. Most of all, Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes. Their first match was incredible, and I expect this one to be even better. And this, I'm so hyped for this match. So, so hyped for this match. Yeah, this looks to be a pretty decent little pay-per-view card that we have going on here. Um, I was very surprised to see them just throwing Trip Williams in there and giving him a title shot already. And the way the storyline was pointing, you know, is pointing towards, I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm excited to see that. I'm very excited to see where it goes. Um, and it should be, you know, match of the next few days for that, that main event. Yes, sir. So that's what we had on SmackDown and on NXT. Coming up, we've got NXT No Mercy happening. So stay tuned for our next show. It's going to be based around that. And take us home, Dog Ron. Well, thank you for the pass there, my dog. Uh, we thank you all once again for letting us make your lives just a tad bit less miserable. Once again, it has been I, the Divine Voice, Henron, and my co-host, the rock star, Duke Russo. Please join us next time for No Mercy. Other than that, y'all stay safe. Deuces, deuces. Peace.